are not ready for prime time. Prime time. Prime time. Prime time. That's the name. Prime time. Prime time. What time is it? Showtime. Prime time. It's XL Prime Time, featuring Joe C. Son of a gun. Matt Hayes. His balls are different in person. Mia O'Brien. I don't know what they're doing. And Leon Searcy. Bringing you love, peace, and soul. Well, we aren't seeing any balls in person right now. No balls in the air. We don't know what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. 16, or as Leon nicknamed him, 1819. 1819. Not the year. Not the year. Uh, We don't know exactly what is going on with Trevor Lawrence, but the 2 o'clock hour has arrived. XL primetime, normally in that noon slot, but in the takeover position, 2 o'clock hour, uh, filling in for Frank Frangi, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, as they all have the week off. We're going to cruise until 4 this afternoon. And then we're going to get ready for the coaches' show. And maybe Doug Peterson will have a little bit more. There's already some that's come out of uh, the pressers from earlier today and then also what we saw on the practice field. So let's hit that, and then let's hit what's going on with Freddie T. As a matter of fact, this is a perfect time to go ahead and let this out. <laughs> for Freddie T. Nice round of applause as he is a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he said it on our show. We'll pull the soundbite up. Uh, in just a little bit, whenever we say hello to Gerald Ingram, his running backs coach, that he said getting in that room, getting his name in front of all those people to to be talked about uh, was the most important thing. And, uh, Leon, honestly, once they – and you said it yesterday and you've said it many times, put in the tape. But once they have to discuss him, they're going to they're gonna have to discover a little bit more about old Freddie T. Absolutely. I mean – First of all, it's an honor to be in that top 15. Yeah. It's an absolute honor. I know it's got to be frustrating for Fred because he's been on this road how many times? At least what, four times? I believe Three he or four is times a, or whatever. Yeah, I'm going to look this up as far as the I'm final. sure he's been on there at least four times. But, hey, listen, I'm, I, listen for, of course I'm biased because I coach, I played with the guy. I mean, mm-hmm. but, you know, I, I'll often say this, that I, I, you, don't, you have a much fonder appreciation for players once you retire. When you're in the locker room, you don't realize – the greatness around you until you retire five, ten years down the road. Mm-hmm. When you look in that locker room and say, man, I play with some all-time greats. And Freddie T is one of the all-time greats, man. I mean, at the running back position. I mean, he was the type of guy that um, he didn't need much room. You give him a, like, I, 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 you give him an ounce of daylight and he's mm-hmm. gone. Yeah. He was a home run hitter. Everyone talks about ATN and SB. ATN is as dynamic a runner he was. Wasn't no Freddie T, though. No. He wasn't. <laughs> Freddie T, I mean, he just had – listen, his jump – his jump, step, slide, run is famous. I mean, he would see that hole, he would jump, step, slide, and be gone. Yeah. I mean, that game against Miami, I mean, we're going to have Coach Ingram in here. That game, uh, you're going to have him at the, at the 240 hour. But Coach Ingram told us on the side, told me on the sideline, he told me that um, Freddie T knew he was going to take that ball to the house against Miami, first game of the play. I said, what? He called the shot? Absolutely, he called the shot. I mean, that's just the type of guy where, where he was – Fred was mild-minded and quiet in the locker room, but he was he he had a loud voice on that field. So as Fred told us when he joined primetime earlier this month, it's obviously critical to get into that room yeah. to be among the 15 names who mm-hmm. will be discussed. Because I'm not going to lie to you boys, when we went to make the graphics last mm-hmm. night, mm-hmm. when the announcement came down, and yeah. I went to Pro Football Reference just to pull up some stats and stuff that we could play with, you know how sometimes on Pro Football Reference it'll list the nicknames that mm-hmm. that player had? Guess what was listed for Fred? Mm-hmm. Fragile Freddy. Fragile Freddy. And, and it was one, honestly, if you go back in time, and Lamb probably 
deserves most credit and then maybe also might deserve most criticism because he got it to stick. And one of his famous poems was, Oh, Freddie, when will you be ready? And he, you know, he had the, mm-hmm. the lines to it. And Fred admitted later that he probably should have pay, played through a little more pain. But at the same time, Coughlin also became very cautious with him and didn't put him in goal-to-go situations to where he could get in the end zone enough. And you probably remember that. And, and, mm. and he would end up opting for either Little Man or whomever. Yeah, it was a couple of times near the goal line that James Stewart would get the ball and not yeah. Fred. Fred was more of an open – I mean, he, Fred was more of an open field runner. Yeah. And then when you got inside the five or maybe inside the ten, you needed more of a, a pounder. You know, you needed a, a, a Natron or – or a James Stewart type of guy. But, you know, that, that's still not an indictment on him. I no. mean, like, there's a lot of times that Fred played through injuries that he shouldn't have played through injuries. Yeah. And that exactly. had a lot to do with, you know, the fact that his body wore down. Yeah, but he did go from that question mark guy just mm-hmm. as far as uh, is, he, if he, is he tough enough, which was a complete – it was unwarranted. But then he went from that to having a tendon ripped off the bone and TC kept listing him as questionable. Mm. Okay. Listing him as questionable. Go figure I'll, that. Yeah, it went, it went five, six weeks. I'd have to go back and look. But honestly, th- those were the things going on back then. Right. And that's, again, and as Fred said to us, it's just that's where it's so critical to be in the room. Even if he doesn't get in this year, it's to start to lay the groundwork to yeah. get him in in the years to come. Mm-hmm. And he's the only running back among the 15 finalists this yeah. year. We looked up the list, so we'll pull it up for you guys as well. Um, the next r- major running back name. To come up is next year, Marshawn Lynch will be a candidate for the first time, five years after his retirement. Darren Sproles as well. And then the following year is when you'll have Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy, Todd Gurley, and some other names start to enter the mix. The only one of which, uh, Adrian Peterson, by the way, doesn't become eligible until 2027. So these next two years, honestly, are real important. Exactly. These next two years are important. There's obviously a logjam of sorts on the defensive front as well as at the wide receiver position, as they like to say, Mm -hmm. in the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting world. Um, but it does help that he will be the only signature running back outside of Marshawn maybe next year that they will be debating over the next two years. Like, if you go over time, you can go back and look at Shady McCoy, definitely a really, really good player. Marshawn Lynch went from kind of a first-round bust in Buffalo, if if we're being real, we go back in time and think about it, and then he became beast mode up in in Seattle, recreated himself in in a lot of ways. But these these two opportunities this year, and if he's a finalist again next year – they may be really, really good chances because think about it, Leon. Whenever you have that Hall of Fame celebration, yeah. I do believe for, for television purposes, they want to sizzle reel. They want to show mm-hmm. off. Like you have a few other guys like Jari Evans. He's an interior lineman. I don't know a whole lot about him, but I do think when you're showing off the Hall of Fame, yeah. you want sizzle reel guys, and Freddie you, have one. You do. And, and I, I was looking at the list, and we kind of went over this on the, in the production meeting mm-hmm. on, on – who are your essential locks yeah. with the 15 that are, that are here? And, and, and listen, maybe Reggie Wayne's a lock? No, I'd say Antonio Gates is the Anto- only lock. You think Antonio Gates is the only mm-hmm. lock? Yep. He's the, See, the he's classic th- story of uh, – I actually, uh, my one I'd throw in there is, is Julius Pepper. Yeah, I was looking at Pepper. Yeah, yeah. Pepper is – Pepper. See, I mean, because you you got 15 right here and you got to go down to five. And then you, you, you've got to say to yourself, okay, at least two of them are gone. All right, so we're going to say Antonio Gates and Peppers are locks. All right, so now you now you got three. You got to put three from there. 
Mm-hmm. So, so Eric Allen and Jared Allen have both waited quite some time and have both been among those finalists yeah. a couple different years, including the years in which Tony Baselli was also a finalist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it would be hard if you just jumped over Jared Allen and took Julius Peppers in his first year of eligibility, both guys doing the same thing, Jared Allen his fourth year of eligibility. So mm-hmm. the fun thing we'll have to do over the course of this time before we get to the Super Bowl is take a look at you know what those numbers are and how they stack up. So but, wait a minute, so, you, so you're telling me that Instead of picking who should be in, we this is like a, a assembly line. Oh, like yeah. Like, oh, like okay. Your turn. Oh, like yes. wait your turn. Yeah, wait your turn. Okay, I understand. <laughs> okay, sometimes well, the best don't go in. All it right, just, think about this. waited the longest. Think about this, and Coach Campo has really stumped for Darren Woodson. Darren Woodson, yeah. yeah. Okay. That's his guy. Darren Woodson is in his 16th year of eligibility. Wow. Okay, 16th year. Eric Allen is in his 18th year of eligibility. I feel like Woodson is largely ignored, especially when you're talking about great Cowboys. Well, guess what? The other great ones on that team took up most of the spots. Mm-hmm. And Woodson, and he was, he was a made uh, – Coach always tells the story how they built that, that – Built him into a safety, a playmaking mm-hmm. safety. Torrey Holt's been around for a minute now, 10 years, a decade of being on this list. And then the other one that we were talking about, Reggie Wayne, has also been on this list for a little bit of time. So I'm glad you brought up Darren Woodson because yeah. obviously we know from Coach Campo how much he meant to those Cowboys teams, how much Coach Campo believes he should be in the Hall of Fame. And that's why it was a little dis- disappointing for me when I turned on ESPN this morning and it said among the five, you know, the 15 finalists – they had Antonio Gates, Julius, Julius Peppers, Peppers yeah. Reggie Wayne, and Rodney Harrison, yeah. who, mm-hmm. like, and this is where I kind of want to pair it with Freddie T. Rodney Harrison was a great member of those Patriots teams that won Super Bowls in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was the cog in the machine. Now, does he have a pretty nice job in his post-playing career working at NBC for yeah. Sunday Night Football? Absolutely. Yeah. I also believe that John Lynch was a nice cog in the machine of the 2002 Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Was he better than Sapp? Yeah, his visibility no. But helped. he's the GM of the 49ers, mm-hmm. and in the year he was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, he was their, they went to the Super Bowl that year. And so that's where I look at Fred and everything he's done with the pivot and in his post-football life, and I say, hey, it's clearly good that you're in the pop culture sphere yeah. because that's the only reason because, I'm seeing Rodney Harrison's name right yeah. now. Well, listen, out of sight, out of mind. It's good that uh, that Freddie T does what he does because I mean he he warrants the attention of people. I mean if Freddie T was just you know roundabout in Jacksonville wasn't on the air as much. I, I don't know if he would have garnished this kind of attention. All right, let's use another one. Him. Let's use another as an example. Andre Johnson, he mm-hmm. disappeared. He did. He, he did. He's quiet. Uh, he does. He's not out there. But yeah. I tell you what, Andre Johnson was. He was a beast. Yeah, unreal. absolutely beast. Real. Yes. All right. Now let's set up this question coming up here in a second because we want to we want to try and hit some of these. Like we said, we'll spend a lot of time on the subject, getting closer and closer uh, to the Super Bowl, the Pro Football Hall of Fame announcement. But we'll do everything we can uh, to get it rolling uh, for Freddie. Uh, but we need to get to the practice report. So let's get that coming up here in just a second. It's XL Primetime Short Show as we roll until four o'clock this afternoon, uh, and we hope that you all are getting ready for New Year's, ready to crank it out with. Jacksonville winning a football game at the bank on New Year's Eve. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. Still 106 to play in a cold, windy Boston. 
up at the Wasabi Fenway Bowl with Boston College leading SMU 23-14. They did show the copyright graphic, which means we're inching closer and closer to the real reason you want to watch today's show on the 1010XL YouTube program, if you can, as opposed to just listening on your standard radio, uh, because Miami and Rutgers will be on our television very, very soon. And who knows? We may have some live reaction to it here on the air on XL Primetime, and you could maybe see some reactions if you watch on YouTube, I'm too. Tr- I'm going to try to stay focused. You're going to focus? I'm going to try to stay You're rocking focused. the U, though, too. Yeah, absolutely. I knew it for a reason. The, the pinstripe. What is it? The Bad Boy Motors pinstripe bow? Bad Boy Mower. Mower. So there mower. actually are mowers, from mowers. what I've seen, okay, positioned right. around Yankee Stadium. Okay, nice. I think it's a cool little thing that they. I, I didn't know Yankee Stadium was that big where they put they can make a football field into it, right? Yeah, it's cool? um. So it goes because even seeing the renderings of how they set up Fenway for this game, mm-hmm. it's different because of the Green Monster. But with Yankee Stadium, it's essentially the outfields slash a little bit of the infield that they kind of do it. When I covered it in 2017, it was super like cool just because number one, I'm a Yankees fan, but number two, as a baseball fan, as you're going about you know pregame filming, guys warming up. You can walk into the bullpen. You can walk into the dugouts. Like it's yeah. it's there. You know that's on my bucket list. You know I, I've been a Yankee. I was a Yankees fan ever yeah. since I was a little kid. I used to watch Reggie White. I mean Reggie Jackson. Of course. So I grew up watching. I didn't watch a lot of baseball, but I knew Reggie Jackson. So yeah. I ultimately jumped on that wagon. <sighs> Had to get him. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it, it's a cool experience. Like I know, and JJ, you can read the tweet from Dan Wetzel. Like I know people want to knock having bowl games in these cold weather conditions in baseball stadiums, but like it is truly a unique experience. That Why has like, it got to be at like 11 a.m.? That's, that's all I'm saying. So this was the mouse. tweet of the day for me. Uh, Dan Wetzel, if you have an issue with a baseball stadium hosting a football game sponsored by a cloud storage system named after a Japanese horseradish <laughs> kicking off at 11 a.m. on Thursday, then I'm not sure we can be friends. Oh, that's beautiful. And wow. this game officially has gone final up in Beantown as Tommy Castellanos of Ware County Acclaim and Boston College win the Wasabi Fenway Bowl. 23-14. ACC is just running things. I folks. can't wait for that to oh, be yeah. the ACC championship game matchup. Um, Richie Clemens, our engineer extraordinaire, if you're in the building and hearing this, uh, TV number two is having some issues here at 1010XL headquarters. Oh, oh no, the, now we're good. There it is. We're good. We're good. Now we have it on both TVs. Mm-hmm. There he is, Gavin Wimsett, the quarterback of the Scarlet Knights, out here to face that formidable Canes defense. Did you guys have a lot of opt-outs or outside of Van Dyke? Or? Our safeties. Um, yeah, our, our safeties went to the NFL. But I'm that's sure. it? The rest no, I'm pretty sure uh, we there had a couple of guys. There was a few linemen yeah. that uh, hit the portal. Well, Rutgers just broke free for about a uh, 20-yard gain on the good ground. Start. So, yeah, good start. Yeah, great start, start by Good the start Canes. for the Canes. We'll keep you posted on that one. Uh, we're also keeping you posted on the very latest regarding your Jacksonville Jaguars. Doug Peterson said this morning that he expected Trevor Lawrence to practice in some capacity today. Uh, according to reporters who were at practice, I left before them because obviously we have the radio program. Um, he was not there during the open part of practice, the open availability portion of practice. Mm-hmm. But Doug said he did expect him to, at the very least, have his uniform on and do individual drills. So we'll continue to monitor the situation. And you know what? I think that's important because you don't want Trevor Lawrence, like last week, to set a precedence where he doesn't practice all week and still plays in the game. And then other players will think, well, hell, Trevor did. I could do it too. So, I mean, it's important that if Trevor wants to play in this game, that he has to be on the field doing some kind of drills, whether it be individual drills, whether it be, you know, uh, stance and starts, whatever it may be, because – you don't want to show preference to a quarterback and everybody else can't do the same thing. Right. And I think that after his comment 
about it looks like we don't even practice. Yeah, and then Doug Peterson's response was, well, you know, I mean, they do practice. You see him out there. Trevor just wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Doug, Trevor Lawrence, of course, clarified those comments and explained that it's not that he doesn't think they're practicing. It's that something is being lost between going from the practice field to the game field. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know what that what, is? That's uh, all the things you describe all the time. Yeah. Yeah, what, okay. what's, what's, what's being tolerated is being seen on Sunday. Yeah. That, that's, I'm a firm believer of that. I mean, how you're practicing during the week, I mean, is it, a direct correlation to how you're playing on Sundays. So if, if, you, if there's mistakes on Sundays, that means that whatever is being tolerated throughout the week. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's not only coaching staff, that's not only position coach, but that's players. I mean, we used to – listen, when we was on the sideline, like when we had our defense out there, and our defense was going against our scout team, and we were resting, we were watching our defense, and our defense was missing tackles or missing – we would get on our defense. Hey, man, we, we, we don't want to see that. Right. Because if we see it here, we're going to see it on Sundays. And the defense do the same thing with us. And wide receivers dropping passes or running backs fumbling the football and stuff like that, our defense will get on, guys, because – what you allow, what you allow during the week is going to be shown right. on Sundays. And, and I think, yeah. So I'm I, just saying we, we should be able to police each other is yes, what I'm saying. and the standard shouldn't just be on that one day. It's yes, every day that every ends day. in why, yes. and you make sure that you that you get it done. Uh, and, and it's funny because we were joking earlier, the handoff to Dearness Johnson, I don't care if he's a, a non-starter. I don't care if he's a backup. You've been practicing those types of plays – since OTAs. Since OTAs, okay? There's no excuse for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it. It drives me crazy. And so he is calling them out, himself out. We'll see if he actually, if they actually play a cleaner game. A note like from uh, up in Carolina as both corner J.C. Horn and corner Troy Hill missed their second consecutive practice. That's, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that's their outside corner. Starting outside corner, obviously, in Horn, the former number eight overall pick. And then Troy Hill is their nickel corner. And so um, he is in the concussion protocol, so that'll be a situation to monitor as far as the Panthers go. Meanwhile, Iki Aquanu, Marquise Haynes, and Frankie Luvu, who actually, the Wazoo linebacker, sixth year in the NFL, is the leading tackler for the Panthers. Uh, those guys missed practice yesterday. They did return to practice, but were limited today. And so obviously the Panthers are banged up too. But Doug Peterson said it this morning, everybody's banged up. No longer an excuse. Yeah, it's true. And I'll use that as a that uh, because, honestly, when you start looking around, there's no question the injury reports are full everywhere. That just happened. Brought to you by Florida Home AC, the official air conditioning partner of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this isn't even an injury reason, but teams are doing whatever they can to try and spike something. We saw Russell Wilson get sat down yesterday for a variety of reasons. But anyway, the Vikings are now on to another quarterback, okay? Mm -hmm. They went from Josh Dobbs to Nick Mullins. He started for a couple of weeks. He has now been sat down. They are going to Jaron Hall, okay? Now, I don't know what their chances are, but they are still, quote, in the hunt. But they are now going to another. Do we know who that is? We don't. Jaron uh, Hall played for BYU. <laughs> he, he was supposed to no. So he was supposed to be the starter when the pastronaut Josh Dobbs came in yeah. because he got concussed on like the first drive of yeah. that game he played against Atlanta. Like I think that was like what week seven yeah. or eight. I like the idea that we didn't know anything about him, but I. But at least you did. At least you did. He was a fifth round pick out of BYU, <clears throat> and, and he's a guy. Uh, Again, all they're trying to do is jumpstart and do anything they possibly can to either ruin the other team season or – what is Kevin O'Connell trying to do? Mm -hmm. He's trying to win games, right? Trying to keep himself alive. 
Uh, and so that's basically what he's doing right there. I, I don't know whether or not that'll mean anything because Nick Mullins was okay, but also started to be exposed. Yeah. That's what, that's what happens to backups. It's, uh, it's tough when your offense said goodbye to Dalvin Cook, and while I don't think you know Madison and Ty Chandler and those guys aren't effective in the run game, that offense, similar to the one here, is predicated on quarterback play. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you don't have an elite quarterback, it makes it kind of hard especially when you couple that with Justin Jefferson's been banged up, Jordan Addison now working through yeah. the ankle injury, TJ Hawkinson already out for the year with the MR, with the uh, MCL and ACL tear. And so it's going to be tough sledding for the Vikings despite a, a defense that I think Brian Flores has made his case that he is here, he is back, mm-hmm. because he is still one of the best coordinators, in my opinion, on the defensive side of the ball in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned play action, and I meant to bring this up yesterday. <laughs> I'll bring it up real quick because we got Gerald Ingram coming in to talk about Freddie. But passing yards off of play action since week 13, okay, since week 13, this is a saucy, it's from Jake Trotter, who put it out on, on social, on X. But anyway, passing yards off play action since week 13, Joe Flacco is at the top of the list. Okay? Saucy nugs. Mm-hmm. That should not surprise you the way he's been playing. But anyway, it's because they had the run game. Anyway, 677 yards. Second on this list, which I find it hard to believe since week 13, is Trevor Lawrence. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No I, I, way. I find it really hard to believe. Now, it's 677 for Flacco, 322 for Trev. And he's above Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Jake Browning, and Tua. I haven't seen If anything, that. we've been calling for more of it. Obviously, yeah. they leaned very heavily into it against the Titans and the Texans, which I think still would fall into. Yeah, that was probably week 13. Yeah. That's probably right then. Right. And those two games, I mean, it was as clear as day that when they leaned into the play action and they were able to get some sort of semblance of a run yeah. game going, mm. if they could play off of that, that was when this offense was operating. It would have been the Texans game. peak efficiency. Yeah. And yeah. for what it's worth, they did move or, the ball. Or the, the uh, Titans game. Like right. Yeah. And they did move the ball up and down the field pretty well against the Bengals and Ravens. It yeah. wasn't like they weren't oh, able yeah, they to scored. move it. They run, they ran the ball. I mean, we always, we keep talking about those first four plays against the Ravens in which, you know, whatever they did in the run game to get out in space, it was working, and then mm-hmm. they just somehow, some way went away from it. Yeah, they scored, They scored. Uh, you know, 24 and 31 in those games. But so. since you brought up old Joe Flacco, mm-hmm. uh, he will face his former team this evening, yes. Thursday night football, uh, since Hacker was quick. Uh, I don't know if you guys were in the pre-show meeting. Mm-hmm. He was quick to note during crosstalk that uh, the 1010XL nerd football championship. It's on the line. It's between he and I tonight, and he's uh-huh. already he's already like chomping at the bit and looking at the numbers. He's, and, a, he's not the gracious winner. Let me just tell you that right now. Well, he was like already bashing. <laughs> he was bashing exactly. Denmark. I'm like, okay, I didn't know we were talking smack out here. Yeah. I was just a little seven and seven team that snuck into the postseason. Yeah. Um, but Joe Flacco played. The last time the Jets played the Browns, Mm -hmm. the Browns had a 99.9% chance of winning that game, Mm. and Joe Flacco defeated Cleveland 31-30 the last time those teams faced. He was still elite. This is XL Primetime. If you ask me, I think this year won't be an opportunity for me to make the Hall of Fame realistically, Uh, and that's not being pessimistic. That's just being a realist. Uh, when I look at the numbers, but I am hoping that I'm able to get in the finalist room and then from there start creating some momentum, create a conversation. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Now that was a modest Fred Taylor when he was talking to us on XL Primetime a few weeks back. It was the J-Fund Radiothon Day, and he was said, 
in, in his honest opinion, but heck, we look at it this year, next year, they may certainly be real possibilities once they start studying the tape. Now, a guy who knows the tape very, very well, coached him here. Let's say hello to Gerald Ingram. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Coach, welcome into XL Primetime. How you doing? Oh, it's a wonderful day today. It's always a good day, right? Uh, that's the way you got to look at it. Embrace it for sure. Now, I, I feel like the Hall of Fame uh, guys that are voting need to embrace Freddie T's tape. You coached him here in Jacksonville. Just give us a sense of the raw Freddie Taylor to the complete Freddie Taylor. You know, anybody who knows Fred, Fred is as humble as can be. I mean, he's he's grown up in the right way. Uh, he's very mannerable. He's extremely coachable. He takes things in. And once he trusts you, I mean, it's, you know, it's the world. There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. But he was a pleasure to coach, <clears throat> an extreme pleasure to coach. You know, when you're a running back coach in the NFL at the highest level and you have someone that comes in the door like him, he was everything that we thought he would be um, because, you know, from the beginning, as a raw individual that you watch coming out of college, he had magic. And when you look at magic, that's number one category I'm looking for when you take a first rounder. Everything else you develop into. Um, but a player who has magic that can play above the X's and O's, who makes things happen, um, who plays at another level when he competes with, you know, better players on the field, that sums up, you know, Fred. Um he had suddenness, he had size, he had speed, he had a willingness, desire to make things happen. You know, it, it's kind of, it was an honor when Jim Brown said, you know, years back when he watched Fred, he said he hadn't seen a guy like that. You know, uh, he's a style runner and he's a great runner. And um, he was a pleasure as a coach, you know, to have because when you have a weapon like that, you know, added to your team we had here with Jimmy Smith, who had a third gear, and, and Fred had a second, third, and maybe a fourth gear at times. Um, there's some things that he can do. Um, but, you know, when he was young, it was a little bit of a slow start. He was raw. Um, and like all players as rookies, you know, you start to lose your confidence a little bit in camp because now you have to protect, learn the playbook. There's so much he has to learn. And as a season, it only took about a month, you know, he started feeling better about himself and Coach Coffin feeling better about, you know, trusting him being out there. And, uh, you know, once that came through within him, he was off and running. But I can tell you countless stories that I just chuckle and laugh on the things that he's able to do. You know, when you talk about a guy who can make one man miss is what you're looking for. And Fred can make six men six people miss at the same time. Now, Coach, so, I, Coach, you know, I, I didn't realize until, you know, once my career was over that, that the amount of greatness that I played with here in Jacksonville, and Freddie T was one of them. Yeah. And I remember a lot of those games, even before we even got to the games in practice, that some of the amazing things that Freddie T used to do in practice, let alone yeah. the games. Now, was it one particular game where you talk about Fred and that magic? Was it one particular game where – Freddie T just exuded that magic, and, and how did it come about? Oh, there were so many. Um, you know, that was fun. But, you know, in the uh, in the playoff game against Miami Dolphins, you know, 
And it, it was a phenomenal play. And me and the offensive line coach had come up with an offensive draw play. And we really didn't know how it was going to turn out, but we thought it had a decent concept. Well, luckily, it wasn't very good. But Freddie T made it good. And, uh, and luckily, the Dolphins were in cover two. And if you put cover two against a guy like Fred T- Taylor, you better make sure everybody's got their gap controlling right because he can tear it apart because he can lose ground, gain ground in a heartbeat. And he must have made he must have made seven people miss on that play. But we turned a, a play that had a poor design, and they squeezed it down, and they thought they had it bottled. And it's the play that they show over and over again, going down the sideline and Jimmy Johnson chasing them down the sideline, and it, it, it just what just it's it just beautiful, you know. And then later on, he has a play in that game on a slip screen that we talk about all the time. That hey, if you create a window. And they want to bring five down. They bring all their blitzes, blitz zero. He tore it apart. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. He became quarterback friendly. Mark was able to find him the ball as they blitzed everybody and thought they were going to sack Mark. And he takes it to the house for about 35 yards. You know, that's what you're looking for. When you have a guy like that, you try to find ways to let him be a difference maker. And, and, and that's why Fred is a Hall of Fame player. He's a game changer. He's a difference maker. You find plays to get him on the edge other than tossing the ball. No matter if you've got to flip the front over, change the coverage. I mean, we play against Cleveland Browns when they threw all those bottles and hit out of the rafters. And we knew it was going to be. We got Yuli out on the right side. Okay, we got Tony on the back side. We knew it was going to be an underfront, But we were going to get in the slot to see if they're going to be man or zone. Well, they end up being man. And we said, you know what? We got no problem with Leon. Not Leon going to knock people. He's going to knock them out of the way. And there's an under front. We knew it was going to be a one technique. We got Tony Baselli with a three technique on the backside. So we're running 34 zones a week. And it's like a snow plow. So we got Tony knocking everybody off the ball. You know, Fred cuts it back and he knew exactly what he was going to get. He saw it on tape and we got what we wanted. We got man coverage. They thought they had eight, eight in the box. He cut it back to Tony and the rest was history. <laughs> You get him on space and you're in trouble. There isn't a defensive coordinator that didn't start their meetings. How are we going to stop Fred Taylor somehow or another, not get him started? Pittsburgh Steeler night, he could have broke the record that night if we would let him keep playing. Fred was in a zone. I'm serious. I'm on the sideline with Fred. I'm, I'm trying to talk football with Fred. And Fred is looking at the field. He's not even paying attention to me. Okay, I'm just like, Fred, talk to me. Talk to me. I'm like, here's the oxygen, buddy. Here, talk to me. He is an ace. I'd never seen him like that before. He couldn't have had the ball enough. Every play he came back, it wasn't good enough for him. I can make it better. I can make it better. And that's what you all that's all you can ask for in a guy like that. He is a Hall of Fame type player. He's special. He's unique. He's style. I mean, size, speed, suddenness, uh, his competitiveness, his desire. You line him up one-on-one out there with Woodson. And and I joke with Woodson last year. We were working at a camp of his out in Wyoming. And I said, you know, I, I haven't forgotten how he got on you one-on-one. Because I didn't think they were going to throw deep ball. Well, you should have known. <laughs> and he beat, he, he beat another Hall of Famer on a deep ball. Yeah. And he, he's just special. You have to, in the run game, 
when you have a guy like that, he motivates the defense. He motivates the offense. Uh, he can set the tone. We want to start the game with him. We want to end the game with a guy like that. And you find ways for him to just continue to be special. And Leon, you know, that excites you. Now, we, we'll protect the quarterback all we have to do, okay? But to just demoralize people and beat people up up front and knowing you got a guy back there who's a stallion, everybody's excited. He's got your back, you got his back, and away we go. That's what we do. Former Jaguars running backs coach Gerald Ingram joining us on the Fair and Farrah phone line. Gerald also won two Super Bowls with the New York Giants and Tom Coughlin when they traveled from Jacksonville up there to continue their coaching careers. And, you know, Gerald, that's kind of the one knock that we hear when it comes to Fred's Hall of Fame candidacy. You have two Super Bowls. Coach Coughlin has two Super Bowls. But did Fred win a Super Bowl? Did he have enough Pro Bowls? Did he have enough All-Pros? Does he have the quote-unquote resume that matches up with some of these other names in the Hall mm-hmm. of Fame? What would you say to those critics that argue that? Well, I, I think just like when you evaluate players coming out of college, some people know and some people don't know. And I think a lot of times that, um, you know, some of the how they evaluate is overrated just because – uh, you're not in the Super Bowl. This is a team thing. It's not a Superman thing. Um, it's just like Dan Marino when we talked about Miami. Don, Dan Marino's a Hall of Fame quarterback that didn't get an opportunity. Barry Sanders didn't get an opportunity. That doesn't change their ability. Their one-on-one ability is their ability. Either good enough or not. But the team was or not. Now, we were probably the best team in the NFL the one year. You know, possibly two, but the one year here in Jacksonville, we should have been in the Super Bowl. And things happen that you can't control as a player. But to discount someone for not going in the Super Bowl, that has nothing to do with the athletic ability of one individual. If you look at play after play after play, that's how you evaluate, not the team. Now, if you want to say who is a championship team and let's evaluate the team, let's go ahead and do that. But don't put the player in that category. And that's the problem I've always had about that. Now, Coach, I don't know if you know this or not, but in 1999, it was the first time we swept the Steelers. And this one, I really, when I realized that that Freddie T had a killer instinct in him, because I don't know if you remember the play, we were down yeah. inside the five yard line, and we're in the huddle. And Freddie yeah. T says, "Hey, Leon, we're about to run zone off your backside." He said, "When you score the touchdown, I want you to spike the Steeler emblem." Emblem. I said, <laughs> "What?" I, he said, "He said that's when I knew he had. That's why I knew he had that killer in him." He said, "I'm running off your back." I'm going to hand you the ball. You're going to spike the emblem. He ran yeah. off my back. He scored that touchdown. He handed me the ball, Coach. And I ran and looked at the fans of Pittsburgh, and I spiked <laughs> that England, folks. I spiked hey, it, baby. Awesome you. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. And, yeah. that, you know, and that's the kind of person he is. You know, he didn't forget about you. He thought about you. He thought mm-hmm. about what he said. You know what? What would mean so much to this guy on my team who is blocking for me is you. Mm-hmm. Is you. Uh, I mean, love. I love this man. I used to go to New York, and, and I know my players hated, but I used to tell stories about Fred all the time. I used, I look at, I'd show tape of the young guys, you know, and then I'd say, "All right, this is what you can do. That you can't do. So don't worry about that." <laughs> okay, you know, he, he's just, he's just humble. I mean, you love talking to him. You love coaching him. You love. He sees the big picture. And that's kind of how he is right now in his life. 
once he gets the confidence in himself, dude, he already knows that there's anything he can't do if he puts his mind to it. Really, really is. He's just kind of special. I'm I'm looking forward to the day because it's long overdue. He should have been in another market. He's there. Yeah, he's there. It, it's funny because we'll, we'll have to have you back, Coach, because when we're looking at the what we call now a two-year window this year and next, he is the marquee name in the running back room, and I do think that helps him quite a bit. So as we wrap it up, honestly, if you're putting him up against the Marshawn Lynch's, the Daryl Sproles of the world, you know, the other guys that will be up for nomination next year, that's a no-brainer to me, Coach. It's a no-brainer. I mean, those guys are tough, physical guys. That's fine. Yeah. But you don't find a guy that can do all he can do. He's able to hit you inside, be physical. He can hit you outside. He can go to this. He can make people miss and look like Barry Sanders. Mm-hmm. His size and speed and suddenness. Uh, he, he, he's special. You don't find those kind of guys every day that can line up every single down and everybody on defense is scared to death that they could, they could easily be embarrassed. Yeah. Okay. Well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's good to Google down memory lane thinking about Freddie T, man. He was an outstanding teammate, and you were an outstanding coach. And I want to I wanna sit down with you in a smoke one when Michigan play Alabama. I know you, you're a Michigan oh, alumni. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go Blue. Go, Go. Blue got to do it. All right. But, but uh, yeah, I appreciate the cigar. It was really nice and mellow. Thank you. Got, you. got the Coach. Thank, Thank you, Coach. Hey, y'all have a great day. All right, Thank Happy you. New Year. That's awesome. Gerald Ingram, and, and when Mia said it earlier, you know, it, it shouldn't be lost on anybody. He coached here <laughs> when Freddie came through. He had James Stewart, had Natron, because he was here in 1995, mm. and then Freddie came in in 1998, and then he followed TC up to New York. He coached Brandon Jacobs and Tiki Barber. Okay, yep. ever heard of him? Uh, and, and obviously two Super Bowl rings up there in seven and in 12. So definitely uh, – an accomplished coach, guys, he was coaching. We up. probably should have asked Coach Ingram. Uh, Eli Manning will be on the ballot in two years. Yeah, two years' time. Two, actually, no, next year. So next year. Next so year. class of 2025, okay. he will okay. be eligible for the first time. Yeah. Obviously, quarterback, running back, different positions. But hearing what he had to say about do Super Bowls actually define your Hall of Fame candidacy? I, I mean, I look at Eli Manning, and you, you think of the two Super Bowls dethroning the New England Patriots, not once, but twice. And yep. that's obviously a critical part of football history. But the other reason I look at Eli Manning and I say, okay, he has a shot at a first ballot would just be because he was an Iron Man and how many consecutive starts he Yeah, all he the had. starts. But he also, like, he matched W's and L's and he matched TD's and picks. Right. You know, so that's... And, that, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But do people overlook that because they're so focused on the Super Bowl? And that's yeah. where, for Fred, it, it does stink because if it, only it on the eye test... We know Fred's a Hall of Famer, but when you look at the litany of awards and accolades, maybe he doesn't stack up. Yeah, believe me, they look at Hall of Fame for famous mm-hmm. moments, and he had two incredibly famous moments, mm-hmm. and which means they'll largely ignore some of that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, which is unfortunate because because does does any of the does it any of it pertain to who you feared while you played? Yeah, right. Yeah, because did you fear I, Eli or did you fear Fred? I, exactly. I mean, at some particular point, you, the former players that played against these guys should have some say-so. I listen, I remember when I was a Raven, real quick. I remember I was with the Ravens for that one particular year, and I was at a restaurant, and they had a DB party upstairs. I came upstairs with them, and they said, gave me a couple of drinks and stuff like that, and said, Big Sirs, there's one player on your team that we feared. Mm-hmm. It wasn't – It was. they said, no, it was a DB, so they said Jimmy Smith. They said, yeah. Jimmy, we feared Jimmy. 
And, and those would be the same kind of accolades Freddie T would get if he talks to any other team. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Did you fear him? Those were the two guys, okay? Yes. Those were the money men, uh, that's for sure. All right, into the 3 o'clock hour we go. It's XL Primetime. Joe C., Mia O'Brien, Big Surce, JJ, and we say thanks to Gerald Ingram for joining us. Grilling up lunch with Leon and the Sausage Dudes. Sausage with a purpose on 1010XL. It's a late lunch. With the Sausage Dudes and Big Surfs, it could be a liquid lunch uh, for some of you as you get ready for New Year's Eve. So tomorrow, we've got New Year's Eve, Eve, Eve. Uh, but you're getting closer. Don't worry. Ringing in 2024 before you know it. We've had a good time hanging in in the Frangie Time Show slot. XL Primetime, Joe C., Mia O'Brien, Big Surfs. We'll have Maddie back next week after a week of vacation. Um, but we got plenty that we've been getting into today, including the what you would consider football royalty when you're a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and that's what Freddie T is now. It was great hearing from Gerald Ingram uh, on that subject. Uh, we talk about the Jaguars as far as practice is concerned. And right now, at least I think I saw, uh, what would that have been, uh, Adam Schefter saying that Lawrence was practicing when when the media was allowed to visually inspect those out there at practice. He was not throwing but now, obviously, they're reporting that it's practice. Yes, so hopefully with the locker room about to open up, uh, mm-hmm. hopefully there will be some clarity on that and then the injury report to come after 4 p.m. when we get off the air. So just monitor that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Doug Peterson said this morning, and Trevor echoed it yesterday, that it was always going to be a day-to-day thing because of the soreness. And obviously it's different than a safety having a shoulder injury where you can just harness it a little bit. Right. Very different when it's the quarterback and it's his throwing shoulder. Yeah, and, and you're looking at the injury report overall, Leon, and the <clears> fact that uh, we'll probably pull up that soundbite from uh, Dougie Fresh is talking about Cam Robinson and the idea of getting him back. When you're looking at guys that at the very least came back out and were able to practice his practice window opening up, Zay Jones limited, not quite sure where he's at with the knee slash hamstring that he's dealing with. Walker Little still with the hammy, but getting Cam back there, limited practice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, listen, Encouraging. He's, yeah, he's going to be a welcome addition back to the team. I mean, um, he is solid. He he had he's had a good season going up until his injury. But then, um, I'll be very interested to see how they mix and match who they're going to put in and play and plug in at the offensive line because, right. quite frankly, doing this four game losing streak, his offensive line has been abysmal. It's been very bad. Can't, can't run the ball. Can't protect. So Cam is going to be, you know, he's going to be the blind side. Whoever's going to be back there, I'm not sure if it's going to be Trevor or it's going to be Beathard, but it's going to be. I, I'm concerned about the rust a little bit because he's missed what four weeks, four mm-hmm. weeks at least, four weeks of game. Got knocked out in the Texas knocked game. Out, yeah, knocked out. Yeah, so so yeah, he's been out for about four weeks. So I'm gonna be a little concerned about the rust, but I, I like his temperament during the season. I think he had a solid season, and uh, hopefully he can bring a little tenacity back to the team because uh, back to the offensive line because quite frankly, this O line has just not been what it should be as far as the end of month of December if you want to get to play in January. All right, now let's throw out a bold fact because EVV, we will be at Bold City Brewery tomorrow uh, right mm. there at the production house on Roselle Street, so let's hit it. Here's a bold fact brought to you by Bold City Brewery, Duval's first craft brewery, online at boldcitybrewery.com. So if you got Clemson or Kentucky fans that are coming into town, you want some 
Well, Duval's oldest brewery. You want some great craft, you can head to Bold City downtown. As you're heading to the game tomorrow, you can head on into Riverside right now, Roselle Street, real easy to find. Just punch in Bold City Brewery and go get some of that great craft, whatever you're into, like the IPAs that I love. You can find them all there. And we will be there tomorrow from 3 to 6. By the way, with a chance to win Jags tickets tomorrow, correct? Jags tickets tomorrow for the final home game. We'll have that up for grabs at Bull City Brewery. Yes, and then, we will. Yeah. On social, yep. Yeah, on and, social. And, well, and, and in person as yeah. well. Yeah, and then we have uh, Gator Bowl tickets today to give away. All right, so here's the bold fact. Uh, Seattle is the third team since 1970 with four game-winning touchdowns in the final two minutes of regulation or overtime in a season. Okay? They already have had four game-winning touchdowns in the final two minutes of regulation or overtime. They're the third to do it since 1970. Who else has done it? Two other teams we're looking for. Because they're the third. Game-winning touchdowns. They've got four four game-winning touchdowns in the final two minutes of a game or OT so far this Mm. season. Mm. Only two other teams have done it since 1970. The Jags last year. That's a good guess. Hmm. The Jags. Hmm. Maybe it was the Panthers with Cam. Maybe he's trying to lure us into that mm-hmm. in 2015. I'll go with those two. Yeah. All right, so nothing wrong with those guesses. It's funny that Seattle is the third team since 1970. There's also another Seattle team that did it in 2012. Mm-hmm. So they're the other ones. Uh, the other one that did it four times. So Seattle's actually done it twice. And then Mia was right that I was trying to get you in, in a certain direction. But it was the Jags in 2004. Oh. oh okay. And Freddie T was part of that team. Nice. So I, I look back and I looked at some of the games. 2004, you want to talk about some close football games? That was the second season that Jack Del Rio was the head coach. Uh, Freddie T obviously was still a big part of what was going on here. But I'm looking at some of the scores and they definitely – they were some low-scoring games, uh, and and hey, they pulled it out. So they had four within the last two minutes of regulation or overtime. Was right, Rennell still here? Hmm? Rennell was still here in 04? Was he? Or was it left? Was it Byron? Uh, Byron Byron was drafted in 2003. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brunel left in two. They drafted mm-hmm. Leftwich in three, uh, and then Reggie Williams was the first-round draft pick in 2004. He was one of the guys that, that scored uh, one of those late gamers. Uh, but going back to 2004, they definitely had some thrilling games. And Jack Del Rio, he basically was a 500 coach his entire time here. Uh, and we would welcome a 500 coach after that that you know pitiful decade that this team mm-hmm. suffered through for a long, long time after he left until they finally made it back to the postseason. And here we are. We might be a 500 again, uh, as close as you can. Uh, to a 500 record with a 17-game schedule. 718 on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures <clears throat> says, is Leon okay? Because I'm not. It looks like the Jaguars are wearing Miami jerseys, or is it vice versa with the Canes down 7 nothing or 14 nothing now Ooh, in the I second quarter to the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Uh, Rutgers has already run for 76 yards on 21 carries. Yeah, Miami is not looking good, bro. They, they have not, negative they're... six yards of offense yeah, thus we're, far. Yeah, we're looking bad. We're looking bad. So what is maybe up? Should have opted Not out. negative six, six total. Op- six we should have opted out this game, uh-huh. the whole game. We should have opted oh, out. Oh, the whole team? Yeah, the whole team should have opted out. <laughs> That's what bowl games have become, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's teams yeah, that night, don't care but last versus night is, teams is, that are playing. This is like their Super Bowl. And so, like, 
half of Miami's gone. They're half of their yeah. offensive line, more than half their defense, and they're playing a Rutgers team who I'm assuming probably didn't have anyone opt out. Right, because they had nowhere to go. And this is like their thing. <laughs> yeah, and so I get it. And look, it's I, I, boring I, to watch. The quarterback sucks. He just threw one of the worst picks I've ever seen. Like. Well, this bowl is an angry Miami must be fan, changed. But, no, it's yeah, bowl season. Yeah. Well, no, I ask I, Florida State fan how they feel about their bowl game. Come ask Georgia fan. Like yeah, well, no I, one cares. I watched last night as Moss went in there and threw for five touchdowns, and USC shocked uh, Louisville. That's for sure. And so there are some good ones. I mean, I'm not disagreeing that the bowl season suffered mightily. Is from USC the beating bowl. Louisville considered a shock? Yeah. Well, how about? Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, uh, is it? It was defensively. Yeah, Louisville was supposed to be this heralded defense, like yeah. a top five, top ten defense nationally, and they beat them by 14. Yeah. Um, for you, JJ, and for those, I would like to see the point spread for that. Game. I'm just saying, like, we don't know anything about these quarterbacks. These who's right. opting no, out? It. It's unwatchable. It. It may, yes, it definitely makes uh, Vegas a little bit more difficult. Um, for, for, for purists like yourself, JJ, which I tend to agree with you, I think it's absolutely absurd that we're at this juncture where guys that may not even be drafted are opting out. Joe I think, Milton. Yes, we'll get to that one here in a second. But that's why I appreciated watching Oklahoma State against A and M last yeah, night. That was a good game. That, was number one, Oklahoma State is basically bringing everybody back. Ollie Gordon the third or second, excuse yeah, he me. Balled. He was a Heisman, like, at least in the top ten. Like, he was in the conversation. He was among the best odds up until the final month of the season. He's coming back because his entire offensive line is coming back. Several of their wide receivers who looked awesome last night are coming back. And so he said, yeah, heck yeah, I'm coming back, and I'm going to play in the bowl game too. And so that, as a purist, made me feel good. What also did – was seeing with A&M, who obviously is going through a coaching change. So that's where I understand some of the opt-outs because it is an entire regime change. But they were down to their fourth-string quarterback, and that dude exactly. absolutely balled out. And guess what? <clears throat> now he can take that footage and that tape, and he can either go to Mike Elko and say, hey, look what I did. I should clearly, you know, he be was a fun one to watch. Him. But, I mean, yeah. like, as as just a well, guy watching, like, I don't care about that. Well, the inter- listen, the entertainment value is questionable. It's but, terrible. But, but, but me being a formal coach, all right, it, it, you get more practices, yeah. and you get the opportunity for a lot of these young kids who have never stepped on the college football yeah, I, field to actually get in the game, and then you see what you got going into spring. Yeah, we all you know be and moan that, that we when, when when it's gone, we miss it. Uh, yeah. I like I said, I hate it for the bowls, but I at least am going to watch. Like I said, Moss yeah. went off, the, and I agree. The the A and M Oak State game was fun to watch. Uh, and, and, heck, Louisville was a five-point favorite in that game, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not, and ended up losing big time. Great. Uh, and, so, and, and, and a lot of these young kids. I'm all, just saying I liked it. That's all. I mean, I don't have – I'm just saying I, I embraced it. That's okay, all. Okay, well, I, I think I'm not the only one who no, thinks bowl season think is completely destroyed. Yeah, I just, I just feel yeah. bad for the bowls. Well, a lot of these kids are auditioning, too. They're they are auditioning for this team or whatever team. Exactly. Right. They, it, 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 they don't care. Like, the ones – who are going to the NFL aren't playing. The ones who were asked to leave or are good, too good for yeah. this team are leaving. For the it's just like third well, you don't stringers have to watch it. for I I don't <laughs> yeah exactly and I neither mean, does anybody yeah. else. I mean well, the, I would love remember, to see the ratings for these bowl games JJ, well, at eleven a.m. Look at the crowd at these yeah. games. JJ, they're I terrible. Used, JJ, I, used I would to, love to Are you angry? Are, are you yes. that angry? Yes, because I used to love bowl season. Like right. ESPN used to have those commercials where it was like. The greatest I think time we of the all year, know it's and it was awesome. Like every single night, I would watch. It's and because of the that, portal, it's changed. JJ, exactly. at one time, I was a third stringer yeah. in garbage time. Yeah, and you were out there playing. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, it's so different in from, a bowl game. Yeah. yeah, I played in a bowl game. I, I played in um, 
88 bowl game against Nebraska when we were, blow, were blowing them out. It, it, I played. I played. Yes, but the starters the played. Quarter. Yeah, yeah. Like you played. You came played on later. Time. You didn't start the game like these kids. I got ten plays. Yeah. It, look, we all know what we're saying is true. Okay. But it's just like it, it, either you watch it or you don't, and I'm sure the ratings are going to stink. But I still think, like, all I can do is embrace what I get to see, uh, and I don't mind watching it. I, I do think it sucks that there's no Caleb Williams, no Drake May, all those things. But, heck, that ship has sailed, and, and it's been going on for, you know. Well, maybe we could change it. I mean, like, I, I don't know we, how. if we move the transfer portal, yeah. then that these would guys good. would play. It's not yeah. that crazy. Like, to have this – Right at the exact same time as the bowl games where all these kids have to jump ship is absurd. Yeah. Well, but that would, you know, the, the big caveat to that, J.J., is they need to be enrolled by January 14th because they are students. Yeah, they got to get athletes. in class. Yeah. I, I'm rolling my eyes, too. Are they? That, that, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Trust me. It, Someone that, is showing up for them. after the bowl games, so. though. Yeah. Like it does. It does. All right, uh, let's keep it rolling. Uh, I do want to bring up one more bowl thing coming up with the 10 10 take. Uh, it's XL primetime as we steam towards the 4 o'clock hour with the Jaguars Coaches Show coming up. It was his first game back in a while and wanted to progress him, obviously, in the game, kind of get his feet back underneath him. There were some things in the game with just uncharacteristic of Tyson just from not playing. And, and so made the switch at halftime, you know, and, and, and this week will be different. He'll get more opportunity this week, get another full week of practice. So uh, he's, he's doing a good job. This is XL Primetime, brought to you by Florida Home AC. Now that's cool on 1010XL. Of all of the Jaguars' injuries over the last month or so, none has been more shrouded in mystery slash been so up and down as the crazy just list of injuries. Because at this point, it's a list that third-year corner Tyson Campbell has suffered between the hamstring injury, which then was a quad injury, and now the news from Doug Peterson this morning that he broke the tip of his finger, but that was not the reason he was pulled in the second half of Sunday's loss to Tampa. (laughs) And and it's just unfortunate, Leon and Joe and JJ, because – Tyson was a player who was supposed to, in his third year, establish himself as a top 10 player in his position in the National Football League. The Jags then could have paid him, Andre Sisco, Walker Little, of course, Trevor Lawrence. And that, in turn, would help kind of even out the plan for the future and the books. And now you are staring down the barrel, in my opinion, of an offseason in which I'm not sure you can extend any of those guys. I mean, the, the Trevor debate will rage on because... Let's say he does. they don't extend him, and then next year he does win the MVP award. Now, all of a sudden, the yeah. price of the dollar goes up. More costly, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's going to go up regardless. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, the only, per- the player, only player right now that should probably get a long-term deal is Josh Allen. Although yeah. the rest of them are going to have to you know, wait another year. I, I got to see another year. Tyson Campbell is unfortunate because early on this season, he was pretty he was solid. He was a right. solid corner, you know. But he's been hampered with injuries that have diminished his play, which has diminished his value. To the Jaguars, if he had to stay healthy, had the same kind of season that he had early on in the season down the stretch, then I don't think it would have been a, a, as a big of issue to, to probably find this, try a way to find to sign him long term. Yeah. But right now, all those guys, all those guys that are looking for long term deals right now, the only one that I would give one to is Josh Allen. And you but, figure there's those three guys, the other ones. This is setting aside Calvin mm-hmm. Ridley right now. The other three that were second rounders or third rounders: Cisco, mm-hmm. Little, and Campbell they're all looking at the end of their rookie contract. And so let's just use Campbell as an example. Actually, 
use all three as an example. The team will have leverage against them because mm-hmm. of injuries. You know that. Oh, you I know, know how that it goes. for sure. Yes, absolutely. And they will have leverage against them. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, if they were to be turned loose, turned loose in the open market, who's going to draw a big paycheck? Walker Little might because he plays left tackle. Campbell might because he plays. Mm-hmm. He can be a locked corner. But they have lost leverage because mm-hmm. of injury. Well, not only, not only that because of injury, but because of losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you when you on when you're on teams that have have, have have gone have gone down the slide that we've gone down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get more. Listen, you get more. I got paid from from Jacksonville from the Steelers because I went to a Super Bowl. Sure. All right. I, I played in the Super Bowl, so I, that makes me more attractive. These these players got to understand too that when you're on winning teams, teams want to they want to take from winning teams guys from winning teams so they can bring into their team. So. Yeah. This team winning gets you paid as well. And this team, uh, like you could use Walker Little as an example. Mm-hmm. He's had a hand in playing poorly that got Trevor hurt, honestly. Yes, yes. yes. Yep. You could argue that. Uh, yep. I was just going to say, heck, look at Jawan Taylor getting poached by the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, mm-hmm. How'd that turn out for you? Yeah. I think he has more penalties individually <laughs> well, than the paid. Jaguars' <laughs> offensive line. But, hey, he's yeah. getting paid, and he's yeah. back in his right tackle position. And, and he's probably one well, of the more secure guys on that Chiefs' yeah, offensive well, John, line. Jawan Taylor essentially got paid because of that. I mean, he had a solid season, but that playoff game against the Chargers, mm-hmm. going up against Bosa, yep. and the Chiefs knowing that they got to see him twice a year, mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of solidified him. Even though it really he, did. Even though he was teetering on the line of scrimmage the whole game or whatever, I didn't really notice it until he went to another team. Yeah. It's still crazy that they said we're signing him as a left tackle, and he was quickly moved back to oh, right Within, tackle. what, two weeks? Yes, exactly. It was just yeah. nuts. All right, let's do the 10-10 take real quick. Get back to the college game just for a second. Now, Joe sees 1010 tape. Slow smoked and served up by Sonny's Barbecue, local pit masters since 68. Sonny's Real Pit Barbecue, especially if you're rolling into town, one of our visitors for the Tax Slayer Gator Ball, head to one of those area Sonny's, load up on some delicious ribs. You figure you don't have your kitchen, you didn't bring it with you, so make sure you get all those tremendous size the ribs, chicken, pork, turkey, whatever it might be at your local Sonny's. I never thought FSU would go the UCF route, but I always said, UCF, hey, if you can claim it, scream it from the mountaintops. And they have their undefeated banner hanging inside the bouncy house. And now Florida State says, if we go undefeated, we should be the natty. We should be the national champions. Brock Glenn has now spoken because he wants to be the guy that if they can do it, they can deliver an undefeated record, and if they can do that in Power 5 college football, they, quote, absolutely should be considered national champions. He says it now because he won't be able to say it later, but there it is, the 10-10 take. I didn't think FSU was going to go this route, but it's at least one guy that's chanting. Well, that. well listen, Florida State is right now, what, 13-0? and 13-0. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 19 go, straight. Yeah, if they go 14-0, I mean, I don't have a problem with them hanging a 14-0 undefeated banner. Yeah. Well, it better not have no natty on it. 14-0, <laughs> that's a hell of an accomplishment now oh. for, for any for any university or college if they go undefeated. Now, that's undefeated season, but it still ain't a natty. But the difference oh. was back in, what was that, 2017 with UCF? No yeah. one was opting out. Well, I take that back. That was the beginning of the opt-outs of Christian McCaffrey, mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette, and Scott Frost yeah. himself. Um, the coach has been opting yeah. out for decades. Yeah. Um, the transfer portal obviously didn't exist. NIL did not exist at that juncture. And mm-hmm. so that was, I think, part of it was that for those guys, it was, hey, let, let's go out there and prove that we went 14-0 and yeah. we should have been in the national championship mm-hmm. conversation. 
And now you're looking at an FSU team that was told you can't play in the big dance, and then they kind of said, okay, I'm going to take my ball and go play somewhere yeah, else. It, well, well, wasn't there an Auburn team that went 13-0 and 0, but yeah. were ineligible? Yeah, well, they were, they were left out, they were. and it was when Oklahoma, I believe it was Oklahoma, and USC got in the game, mm-hmm. and Auburn was the odd team out. And that's when you had that perfect storm, and you didn't know who to put in. And mm-hmm. I don't believe they were – I don't, what, sanctioned. I don't believe. Oh, okay. No, no, no. They, they weren't just, sanctioned. They, they just the national okay. title. That's well. when you had Cadillac Williams. Mm-hmm. You had uh, Ronnie Brown. You had Jason Camp. You had some really, really good players on the other side. Definitely some really big names. Anyway, they got left out, and then USC, I think, trounced Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Trounced them. Yeah. And, and uh, Auburn was screaming to get into that game, and probably should have been in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now. FSU, the only thing they can do is chirp right now. Just make as much noise as you possibly can. Uh, but the numbers are say, saying everything you need to know right now. Vegas has them approaching as a 20-point dog. It was 19.5 earlier today. 10.5-point dog in the first half. So they think, obviously, Georgia's going to jet out to a double-digit lead and then maybe sit guys down that don't need to play anymore, like but, a Carson back. Right, because Carson and company will be playing in the Orange Bowl. Yeah. and. Water yeah, Brock Bowers, you don't know. Uh, he didn't travel with the team. Who knows what will happen? But anyway, most of those other guys are going to play. Will ATM be on the sideline? He might be, Trevor. He might be. <laughs> I mean, it's a short flight or a drive. He's hey, here in Jacksonville. So, exactly. so why not? Uh, yeah. Speaking of teams that are on win streaks, yes, we're talking win streaks like Florida State and the Clemson Tigers mm-hmm. who will play in tomorrow's Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, the yep. head coach's press conference earlier this morning. Dabo and company all dashing in their orange suits. They are here in Jacksonville, and JJ, let our Nooners here at 329 on a lovely Thursday afternoon know how they can win tickets to attend tomorrow's game between Clemson and Kentucky. Be car number four right now. Family four-pack of tickets. 641-1010. Yes. There it is. It's XL Primetime.